0: Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling.
1: This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280, The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon
2: Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, and 1280, The Zone. All right, I got I got to call out my boy David James right now. We'll get to Cam Meller of SB Nation coming up here momentarily. But I I got I got to call out David. Okay. So there's a there's an issue around the the station of uh sales people mainly um, sending emails that are meant for me to Jake Hatch. <laughs> okay. okay, so it's it's been a problem every once in a while I'll get an email from Hatch that's like I think this was meant for you and forward it on to me um, well DJ playfully uh, was uh, att- attempting to have a group text amongst the big show we were talking about DJ and PK and having a couple of laughs a couple of segments ago and DJ was listening and interacting with us uh, and uh, he, he had you on the text Gordon he had Austin on the text and instead of me <laughs> he had Jake
0: Hatch on the text.
2: <laughs> Not you. And to David James.
0: You what aggressive little punk. <laughs> and Hatch replied with what?
2: Hatch did reply. He said, uh, "This is Jake Hatch. You don't put uh, Jake. Uh, uh, you didn't put Jake Scott on here. FYI." <laughs> <laughs> and Jake didn't answer. Oh man, Alongside. and didn't answer. All right. Uh, Let's get out to the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together uh, to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Let's talk a little college football. Uh, He writes for SB Nation. Uh, He also is an editor there. Uh, He is Cam Miller with us back on the big show. What's going on, Cam?
3: I'm living the dream. and I can't believe we actually have a Houston cougars football game tonight that i get to uh you know have the privilege of watching this year finally
2: yeah how about that i mean uh, you didn't expect to start here necessarily cam but what what a random spat of bad luck the houston cougars have had
3: yeah it's like the cougars had bad luck and it was almost as like as if you know the teams playing them were also subject to the same bad luck so it's you know lightning doesn't strike the same place same place twice i, I think houston begs to differ
0: how many strange things are we gonna see this season? I mean it, I mean it's gonna be it's gonna be just a regular deal here right now. Yeah, I feel like it's that yeah, that's it's
3: the new norm. It's it's how crazy can things actually get. How many things can we actually create into one short football season as is and you know, we're seeing even things that I'm even eye opening to at this point. It's 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 pretty crazy and I don't see it stopping anytime soon.
2: Cam, give us your thoughts on uh, the BYU Cougars. They've been uh, kicking around uh, teams that a lot of people think are, are inferior, but they've at least looked really good doing it. Your thoughts on BYU?
3: Yeah, it's tough. You know, it's everybody wants to say they're the lower of the group of five programs they are beaten up on. And that's fine. That's what a good team should do, in my opinion. You know, you can't ever harm or foul the kids for going out and performing just like you think they should do against those schools. It's a great thing for college football. It's a great thing for BYU, and it's a great thing especially, uh, you know, for Zach Wilson, obviously. But, you know, they're doing exactly what you would want a good, a great football team to do, and we should never, you know, discredit those kids for going out there and doing the, you know, beating those teams that are on their schedule and that come to them.
0: So what do you expect if BYU does beat every opponent this year? I mean, they do have Boise State, Houston, and uh, San Diego State. But really, if that's the toughest part of your schedule, not much of a schedule, what is the reward for an undefeated BYU team?
3: Yeah, you know, with with everything on there on and on their schedule that they had originally, I thought at this point, too, if they can get Houston in and, you know, get that game done and look good against Boise State and San Diego State, then I still think a New Year's Six Bowl is got to be the ultimate prize at this point, you know. It's not a shoo-in. Obviously, there's no guarantee, and there's still that group of five team to, you know, that gets that automatic spot in one of those. So I think that's got to be the you know, the ultimate culmination here. You look good in all the games on your schedule. Beat all of these guys. Beat everybody in front of you. Beat them well. And you're looking at, you know, at this point, the AAC, the American Athletic Conference, will sort of cannibalize themselves. We'll see Cincinnati probably with a loss to one of those teams. We've already seen UCF drop one as well. So, I think that's probably their best hope is to have one of those AAC teams that's in the top twenty sort of defeat themselves or lose to one of themselves and then sort of, you know, be on in the top ten of the final college football ranking. I think that's you know as a whole in this season that would be you know the the highest and most likely outcome, but also you know a, a victory for this year.
2: Only playing seven games, how much will that hurt the Pac-12 when it comes to playoff consideration?
3: I gotta think. You know, it's already hard enough as is with 12 13 games on their schedule. I think seven is it's basically almost out of it. you know you're looking at maybe one of the two teams that are top ranked to start the year. but even at that point if you're just seven and0 and you're sitting there against you know an SEC team who's going to be 10 and0 or something along those lines, it's hard to hard to say a seven and0 Oregon team or a seven and0 USC team is better than you know an eight and one or nine and one Alabama auburn or LSU team. So I think it's got to be it's extremely difficult to overcome this year.
0: So do you think there will be any big surprises or is it going to be the usual suspects at the top? It seems so boring to say so, but I and I will say I don't think Clinton
3: is quite the super team that everybody maybe maybe could have thought they could have been this year. Obviously some opt out, some injuries are pretty unfortunate for them and they still have Trevor Lawrence, but I don't think that they're necessarily a super team. So they they're maybe the one team that could, you know, accidentally fall out of it, but unfortunately with the the shortened season and the inability for voters out there to, even with less games, fewer games, to watch all the games and actually actively vote accurately, I still think, unfortunately, we're sitting there here looking, you know, on the outside, looking in in terms of the usual suspects in those final four
2: Cam Meller with us from SB Nation on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Going back to the Pac-12 uh, for a moment, we saw the media poll that came out uh, yesterday, and uh, they the media, at least around here, has Oregon at the top of the north, USC at the top of the south. Would you agree with their assessment?
3: I would, just based on you know everything that you can look at, it, at this year. I will say I think they're probably a little bit more friendly to Oregon uh, than I think they should be if you look at the offense, essentially, you know, it was going to be a good offensive line if Pernice Will did agree to come back, but at this rate, doesn't look like it, and it looks like they're left with, you know, just Diomedar Lenore as one of their secondary players as well who's sort of a top thought of player. So I think Oregon probably is still the best team in the North, but I wouldn't say that it's a landslide for them to be the best team in the North. But I do think on paper, as long as Keaton Slovis and Graham Harrell are a duo at USC, they got to be the favorites in the South as well.
0: Does it surprise you at all? The Cal is ranked as highly as it is. No, not really. Because
3: what surprised me the most was when we still had a 12 game schedule way back in the summer. It feels like eons ago when we still had a 12 game schedule. I saw a CBS Sports poll had the Cal Bears going 12 and 0, and that's that's really that set my bar for kind of being shocked about the Cal Bears, and so. Anything else at this point, Four and 4-2 is what I think I'm seeing from ESPN and their predictions, and maybe a couple of first-place votes with somebody maybe not being so high on Oregon. I can kind of see it happening for Cal, but, yeah, no, not necessarily a surprise with the love they're getting now compared to that 12-0 and 0 CBS prediction that I saw earlier this year.
2: Cam Miller with us from SB Nation, and talking about the Utes for a moment. Cam uh, Kyle Whittingham's been at Utah for a long, long time. I mean, certainly the model of consistency, at least for a football program, um, and and certainly has established a culture there. Do you expect uh, an established culture and that consistency to benefit them in these unique situations?
3: I think absolutely it does. You know, unfortunately, you lose so many players from the eleven and three team last year that it's it's hard to say that they'll be as talented per player on the field, but that consistency, that culture, the head coaching sort of consistency from Winningham absolutely pays large, large dividends. You know, you're gonna see and we've seen it with the teams that have actually started this year. They start a you know, a new a new coach and a new system. It's not, not every time, not every first game you're gonna see Mike Leach lead the Mississippi State team in his first game against the defending national champions and win. I think you're gonna see more of those new head coaches sort of struggle like Mike Leach did with Mississippi State in the second game. And I think, you know, Carl Durrell and, you know, Nick Rolovich, they're going to have a pretty hard time getting sort of instituted and integrated in Pac-12 play as with their new, new regimes. And you'll see players and coaches like Whittingham sort of have an advantage because of that consistency and culture as well.
0: What do you think of the Arizona schools? And a, a, a follow-up question. Uh, did you think Herm Edwards would be this effective with the Sun Devils? And uh, the second part? What the hell's wrong with Arizona Wildcat football? Oh, It's a—it's sort of a double-edged sword. I think they could be
3: maybe two of the most exciting teams in the Pac-12 this season. I i love both quarterbacks. I think Ganell has everything you want in a college quarterback that is going to be a likely high draft pick. I think he's got just what you want sort of for that offense, but also he's got all the intangibles to sort of make NFL throws. So if he harnesses that and actually has some weapons around him and some good protection, you know, you're looking at him next year in the way that the weird eligibility waivers are going to work this year as a what will be deemed as a true sophomore, but a third year out of high school guy leaving the program likely because I think he's that good. He just needs some help. And then you have Arizona State. They're an anomaly. I didn't think Herm Edwards was going to come in here at 66 years old and be able to recruit as well as he has. But if you look at the players he's pulling from the places he's pulling – you know, he's dipping his toe into Texas and coming away with pretty heavy recruits, and I think that's probably a testament to his ability to, to adapt and to change and to bring a guy like Jaden Daniels in and sort of maybe have a bunch of success with him. I think they're gonna their biggest issue that they're going to have this year, though, is figuring out a replacement for Eno Benjamin and Brandon Ayuk. Obviously, we've seen Ayuk become the human highlight reel for the 49ers, but that's just what we saw with him in Arizona State the past two seasons. So that's their biggest anomaly this year is figuring out how to protect Daniels uh, and then come up with some playmakers for him as well.
2: What's your take on Larry Scott and the job he's done uh, with Pac 12? Uh, not favorable, I,
3: <laughs> I think is probably the best way to put it. Uh, you know, if you if you look to be, you know, making advancements and say you're looking out for the student athletes, but when the We Are United movement comes about and, you know, he decides not to meet with them right away and then says, we'll find another time to meet with you when they wanted to at least meet multiple times in a week, coupled with the decisions of, Basically playing little brother or second fiddle to the Big Ten, you know, rushing to make that decision to cancel the season when they did. And then, oh, no, we really have to hurry up and get back to it because the Big Ten did as well. Say what you will about saving the Rose Bowl the second they sort of followed the Big Ten. That uh, that mantra went out the window. So I would say not favorable to very not favorable for Larry Scott and his role so far this year.
0: Have you been surprised with the success that Justin Herbert's had so far with the Chargers? Uh, did you expect that kind of performance straight out of college?
3: No, I have not been surprised. But,
0: no, I did not expect sort of this success.
3: I knew that the kid had a cannon, and I knew he had, I mean, maybe one of the more accurate deep ball arms, not just in college football, but in the NFL. And I think we saw it against the Bucks, which is a great defense to do, to do it against. I just i don't know if necessarily I was ready to coin him as, you know the third best quarterback in the draft last year, and so I'm happy to see it. I'm happy it looks like we're back to like the 2018 Justin Herbert, and so you know it's it's a good thing for football to have a guy like him play play well and sort of exceed expectations because it's a good thing for the Pac-12 as well. You know it's they, we're not just forgotten players out here in, out west, and so I think that's a as each game of success for him is a testament to him, but also you know the programs in the Pac-12. So I say keep going, Justin.
2: Cam Miller with us uh, from SB Nation here on ninety seven five and twelve eighty the zone. I want to ask you about uh, Utah State and specifically about Coach Anderson as now he uh, moves on uh, with uh, at Utah State post in the post Jordan Love era. But this is, as you know, his second go around uh, with the Aggies. What's your take on coaches that come back to places that they've had success previously?
3: It's it's hard. It's it's hard to say. You like to think that they would have whatever success sent them away but whatever success sent them away and now has brought them back usually means they didn't replicate success elsewhere and so it's hard to come back with you know those same sort of expectations you can't exceed many expectations at this point it's it's sort of like a quarterback playing in his third year and winning the mvp and setting all sorts of records patrick mahomes will always be held to high expectations it's not quite the same way here or the same situation here but you know it's you build a program, you leave for a better aspect or a better job, and then you come back and you are gonna. You need to be that good again. And so I think, you know, we've seen a mixed bag of results for this to happen at multiple programs, you know, in the past 10, 20 years sort of across the country.
0: You mentioned Mike Leach earlier. What kind of success do you think he's going to have at Mississippi State? And, uh, I mean, can he take a uh, program like that to the top of the SEC, or is it just going to be kind of a real strong uh, also rant? yeah i think it's going to be
3: hit or miss i think we've already seen sort of a microcosm of what will become the mike leach experience at mississippi state you throw for 673 yards against lsu who thinks they're the best in the world and wants to just play press man coverage outside and costello beats you deep or then you're going to play arkansas and lose on just 200 or so passing yards and an arkansas defense that hasn't won an sec game in over two and a half years and so I think that's literally what you're going to see more of. You're going to see a Mississippi State team that could defeat, you know, a high-powered Alabama offense just because they simply outscore you, but then could lose to a team like Vanderbilt with no quarterback cancer. So I think, you know, we'll see it for a few years, and I don't think we'll we'll be seeing too much sort of, I guess, consistent success, or at least that's what I'm thinking so far.
2: Cam, thank you very much, as always, for jumping on with us. We appreciate it.
3: Yeah, as well. I appreciate you having me. Thanks, guys.
2: You bet. It's uh, Cam Miller. Uh He's a writer and editor for SB Nation in their college football coverage. And we like to check in uh, with him from time to time here on the big show. And uh, he usually brings a really good perspective.
0: So a quick question about the Pac-12. Do you think there's a team somewhere buried in there that can rise up and just blow everybody away as far as surprising them? Mm,
2: su- like surprising them, blowing everybody away? No, yeah.
0: I don't. So it's kind of like the same thing in the Pac-12 as it is in college football as a whole. It's the the usual suspects who are going to rise to the top. Although it sounded like he was really kind of high on Cal. I That would be a surprise if well, they were to win. I North. think there's
2: usually a team or two every year in the Pac-12 that does better than we thought. Yeah. And and uh, sometimes that's, you know, three or four teams. You know, it, it could mm-hmm. be. but But to just storm onto the scene and mop the floor with the rest of the league. We just haven't at least in the, what, uh, now 10, 11 years we've covered the Pac-12. I I can't think of a really good example of that. Usually the team that wins the league is the team that, uh, you know, of the two or three teams that we thought
0: would. It was surprising when Colorado won the South.
2: The division now, we've seen that. Mm -hmm. We've seen that in the division a couple of times. uh, But actually win the league, I don't know if I can think of an example.
0: No, I suppose not. I, I guess maybe one of the biggest surprises is that USC hasn't been as dominant.
2: Right, but then when USC isn't winning the league, Washington or Oregon are when they've been, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. it hasn't been, or even throw in the Stanford got a league title in there somewhere with uh, with Andrew Luck, right? One, maybe two? But anyway, it hasn't been uh, out of the blue Cal team or something like that. Like we've seen an out of the blue Arizona State team win the division, but then they lost in the in the title game.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm. well uh we'll see how it goes this time around I, I like it when there are surprises i i don't like to be able to predict beforehand how it's going to go i hope the media poll is wrong at some level
2: on that note can i can i ask you a question about something that uh, the cam just brought up there sure uh, because i know you are a a, a big mike leach fan why is it in his career? And we saw this half a dozen times at Washington State, right? Why is it that they slay the giant one week, and then the <laughs> very next week they look like the worst team in D1, I and don't they know. lose to just a dog? They, oh, they Arkansas hadn't won in the SEC in what was it? Two years? Two years? And they go out and they topple the national champs, and then they lose to Arkansas the very next game. By the way, there's a there's a really funny-slash-disgusting video out there of an Arkansas fan watching the end of the game and was so excited that he ate a whole can of chew.
0: Oh, my gosh. What's that do to your gut?
2: <laughs> it had to make him sick. Absolutely I mean, had to make him sick. what killed Tony Gwynn. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he you, ate uh, a whole can.
0: Have but, you ever uh, mistakenly... Uh, Jowed down some chew no that's not
2: that's not something have you
0: ever seen it happen to somebody that and you were there to see it uh yeah
2: i, did, I have a, I have did, a buddy did, that, did
0: someone play a prank on him and slap him on the back or something or have that no i have
2: a friend who was trying to quit and uh convinced himself that if he made himself sick he wouldn't want to do it again so he ate a bunch of it <laughs> minute, and it got wait, real wait, wait. sick and then it is didn't there, really
0: work is there logic in that
2: Or was at the time to him. I mean, it's dangerous enough just in your mouth, but then it gets in your gut. Yeah, Uh, I'm not trying to justify any action here, but you asked me if I've seen that. Yes, I saw that. So So We were talking Arkansas.
0: When you've got chew in your gut, is it kind of like a piece of gum in your gut in that it's just your gut just keeps chewing and chewing and chewing?
2: I think it's like swallowing rat poison, actually. Yeah, I have no idea. But I know that that guy got real sick. I mean, none stayed in his (laughs) gut because he threw it all up real quick. Uh, but, uh, anyway, back to the point. Why, why, what about Michael? Eche? He gets all this I, credit for being this brilliant coach because he does have some good wins and yes, his teams uh, are usually pretty good, but his losses, he's got some just horrible losses.
0: Well, if memory serves his, his program built, uh, as time went by at Washington state so that it wasn't quite so quite. So, uh, what's the word? Mercurial. It seemed a little steadier as time went by, didn't it?
2: Uh, no, I mean, we'd have to look back at his yeah, records uh, I before so I could I could say that. But I mean, like like USC would have. These teams that, that, like Darnold-led teams that you were looking at, like oh, okay, here's the 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 Pac-12's best chance for a playoff berth. Boy, USC, how's it going? And then one random Friday night on the Pac-12 network, Leach's Pirate team slays the Giant, and then the very next week they're going to Corvallis and they lose to the beeves or
0: or the but, two years in a row that Portland State got them. Yeah, <laughs> it boy. could be, and that was like their only loss. It could be that it's. Uh... You know, high risk, high reward. Uh, Also, sometimes it can blow up on you a little bit where you're having guys playing that offense where precision is a big part of it. And uh, they're college kids. And sometimes uh, they're off. But it happens. You know, you get you get two pick sixes and you're losing.
2: It happens to him more than than it happens to other coaches. You think
0: it's a personality thing?
2: I don't know. I, that's why I'm asking you cuz I, yeah. I don't know. I don't I don't know exactly, but I right. would
0: guess I would guess it to be more strategic oriented somehow with that offense the way it is and how it, it requires precision. Uh I imagine that's why sometimes it's uh, more difficult to uh, to pull it off at the level they want.
2: Let's see. Uh here here's an example for you, Gordon, in 2017. Leach beat the Ducks at Otson Stadium 33 to 10 and then lost to Cal the very next week, 37
0: to 3. Yeah, that's pretty extreme.
2: (laughs) It's just wild. All right. uh, Let's get out to the zone phone. Joining us now, our good friend Rob Bruff from uh, Zions Bank, VP of marketing uh, for Zions Bank. What do you think, Rob? Why is Mike Leach uh, slaying giants one week and then losing to dogs the next?
4: Well, I, I think I tend to agree with Gordon. You know, I, I think it's it's uh, he runs a uh, high risk, high reward type of an offense, and and sometimes sometimes you get the big dogs, and sometimes you lay an egg, and, and I think that's what we see.
2: Let's talk a little bit about uh, mortgages here, Rob, because uh, rates are still crazy low. I bet you guys are really excited about this Zip Mortgage program.
4: Well, we are because we it, it significantly simplifies the application process, which is you know, traditionally the most painful part of the process. And I think we all have memories of of the mountains of paperwork we go through to to apply for a mortgage. And now we've we've dramatically simplified it with our zip mortgage application process.
2: So kind of how long can it take? Give us kind of an idea.
4: Uh, You can get it done as quick as 10 minutes if you've got uh, everything with you. Uh, When you when you hop online to apply 10 to 15 minutes, you can have the application done. And and uh, and with rates where where they are
0: right now, it's the perfect time. That's wait amazing. wait 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 wait! I can't get a burger in 10 minutes.
2: <laughs> used to be you able to get it or eat it. <laughs> <laughs> used to be able to write a college uh, college dissertation faster than you could fill out that paperwork. Yeah. That's amazing that uh, you guys have got it down to 10 minutes. That's awesome.
4: Well, it, it's uh, again, it's it's the most painful part of the process, and we've we've worked hard to try to simplify that. So. Go to Zionsbank.com slash zip and give it a try.
2: All right, Rob. We appreciate you. Thank you very much. You bet. That's our friend Rob Bruff, uh, VP of marketing for Zions Bank, jumping on with us again. Zionsbank.com slash zip. Gordon, I know uh you've uh, gone through the mortgage process a couple of times in your day. That's incredible. They got it down to ten minutes, because that that used to take forever.
0: Yeah, and with those rates the way they are, Jake. Uh Good. Buy a bunch of houses, I guess. I mean, I don't know. It seems like it's pretty comfortable.
2: Well, with your credit, I, I would be buying many a mansion.
0: What is the rate these days? Uh, depends on saying?
2: how long your loan is. But, yeah, you can get wow. some. in the, If you go a shorter loan period, I think you can get them down in the twos. But low threes okay. for sure. So. Yeah,
0: that sounds pretty sweet. Not
2: bad. Uh, uh, zionsbank.com/zip. We'll have uh, more coming up next. Don't forget uh, the not sports report. Can we? Uh, can I make a request? Can we have a a, a, a a not depressing, not sports report today?
0: I've got kind of a scary one. Okay. Um,
2: is it? Does it? Is it like a real downer?
0: Uh, no, it's uh, it's uh, more mysterious. Uh, but you know, I mean, I can. I can look to uh, you know buck that up a little bit with no no uh, mysterious
2: mysterious isn't okay is 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 okay, but but we, there was a lot of murder in yesterday's uh, <laughs> non sports report and it as just, in that was the like uh, like I was having a really good day yesterday and I don't want to say that the the murder story derailed my day but it 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 threw it off a little bit.
0: Well, I could have done a story about a uh, an overly aggressive duck.
2: That but, would have been uh, better that would have been better because
0: we could have had although, a laugh no it wouldn't have been it so wouldn't sad. have been better because then you had to bring up the story about the uh the guy with the lawnmower and the little ducklings <laughs> I mean that was about as depressing as it gets yeah, well, thanks it for wasn't that. a
2: fake kidnapping no and and that story really is kind of funny the duck one the duck one not the no, not it's the not fake a,
0: kidnapping one the duck little one. a fa- a little family of ducks getting run over by a lawnmower Can't you just picture
2: the redneck on the riding lawnmower yelling yee haw as he he, he makes the turn right for the Ducks? Right in front of the kids. Jordan Pendleton joins the show next 97.5 and 1280 of the zone.
0: I shot Sherry, but
2: I did not shoot. Michelle gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to Jordan Pendleton coming up here momentarily, former Cougar linebacker, of course. Hey, Jake. Yes, Gordon.
0: I'm waiting for one of my favorite Eric Clapton songs that I haven't heard yet.
2: What's that, Gordon? It's not a Total Request Tuesday, by the way.
0: Well, isn't he the one that did cocaine?
2: That is an Eric Clapton song, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I guess you know. I mean, it's not an image you want to put in all our listeners' minds. But I just—why wh- do I like that song so much? I just like the way it sounds, you know. Not necessarily the words. I don't even know what it's about. I mean, I—I I mean, I know what it's about, I, but you I don't didn't know. put
2: that one together, huh? Couldn't, couldn't figure it out he was he was much more blatant uh, singing about that topic than other people of his day. <laughs> A little more overt you
0: know so have have you ever really liked the song that the words were either inappropriate or you didn't you didn't like the message but you love the song?
2: Oh plenty. Uh, let's get out to the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Uh, I'll give you, I'll give you an example real quick before Jordan, Gordon, uh, Jordan, Gordon, uh, you're a big country music fan. Uh, 99% of country music songs are about whiskey. It's not really your cup of tea.
0: No, but I'm not necessarily a, a big country fan. I'm 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 edging in that direction a little bit.
2: Yeah, I, know, I agree. Travel the country with a country band. Uh, Jordan Pendleton, <laughs> the former BYU Cougar, on with us now. Hello, Jordan.
0: What's going on, guys? Jordan, you ever uh, really love a certain song and the words of the song were not your cup of tea, but the melody you really love?
1: Yeah, like every Eminem song, basically. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, <Yeah>. that works. <laughs>
2: Uh, Jordan, uh, let's talk a little BYU football. They've got a, another daunting task in front of them this Saturday with uh, Texas San Antonio. What do you uh, what do you expect to see?
1: Well, I ho- hopefully expect to see another lights out performance. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things where the, the competition is obviously not great, but uh, I've still been very impressed with them. You know, coming out and with, with no fans and in the stadium and still just coming out and executing. So it's been been fun to watch but yeah i mean this weekend you hope it's another you know 40 point blowout
0: it be. jordan how would you evaluate that defense so far uh, is it surprising what you're seeing or because of the competition is it not that surprising what do you think
1: yeah no i i think it's been impressive um you know it it, it is surprising i don't want to say it's surprising but it's nice to see I uh, was, you know, talking last week. It's the first time I've felt like we've actually had an identity in the last, you know, several years, uh, where we're we're bringing pressure, we're, we're we're getting after the quarterback, but you know, we're um, guys are in the right spot, guys are flying around and making plays, and you know, we're we're stopping the run. I think, you know, last week they only had like you know, 70 yards rushing on us, and so it's just it's good to see a, a BYU defense doing what we used to do best, and that's stop the run and and get turnovers. You know, we won a, the turnover battle again. Um, offense held onto the ball, and, and defense was able to create two turnovers. So it's it's been exciting, and I don't want to say surprising just because of the – that we're going against. But regardless, it's, it's sure been fun to watch.
2: Jordan Pendleton with us here on 97.5 and twelve-eighty. the zone. Uh, you mentioned the, the line uh, rushing and creating a pass rush. When when they can get pressure with three, how much does that do for the rest of the defense?
1: Oh well, it, it's huge. Anytime you can get pressure with a three man, you know, a three man front or, or only bringing three guys, it's just it's huge because it allows eight guys to be able to sit back in coverage. And when you have eight guys in coverage, and you know, an offense they only have so many receivers they can send downfield. It, it just it, it really makes it hard for an offense to be able to one get the ball off. And actually complete a pass, and when you're bringing pressure with with three guys, it's just you know if nobody's open right away, uh, it makes it very difficult. And then as, as time develops, and and we're getting to the quarterback, it's just a it's a lose lose situation for an offense. Anytime you can have three guys get to the quarterback, it's just it's a, it's, a, it's a it's a you know you're not going to win in that situation. It's game over at that point.
0: So, as a former linebacker, let me ask you, I'll give you three choices. One, you can stuff the run, maybe a tackle for loss, but just absolutely close the hole and, 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 and make a nice tackle. Or drop back into coverage and pick a ball off or sack the QB. Oh,
1: man, that's, a, that's actually a hard – it's an easy answer. As a linebacker, you've got to say sack the quarterback, obviously um tracking the quarterback it's it's a huge it's just one of those things you can't you can't explain it um I would have to say that first but you know I I was an offensive guy you know all through little league and even high school so anytime you can get your hands on the ball um you know that's you know interception is huge anytime you can get the your hands on the ball as a linebacker that's a huge opportunity but also it's a turnover and so I would say that the best thing you could do is get a strip sack where you're not only sacking the quarterback, <laughs> but you're also creating a, creating a turnover as well. So we're, we're always going to take turnovers over a sack, but there's nothing like you know getting after a quarterback and, and getting a sack. It's just a huge momentum shift. Coach Itaki during
2: media availability the other day, uh, Jordan, uh, talked about how this team has dealt with this adverse situation in in 2020 and and how they've really, um, you know – been successful i don't want to say they've been perfect and i don't think that's what he was implying either but but he talked about having an upperclassman laden team with good senior leadership has been invaluable for them talk talk about that having what having an experienced team can do for you in normal circumstances let alone in times like this
1: well i i think it's huge you know that's one of the that is one of the most important things that you can have on on a championship style football team is senior leadership um, and it's at the high school level as well as at the college level. Uh, anytime you have a group of seniors that are experienced, uh, they've been, you know, they've been through a lot. They've, they've played together a lot and, you know, they've, they've they've got a good feel for each other. But uh, most importantly, be able to lead the underclassmen, some of these younger guys that are talented, but, um, you know, haven't been put, put in certain situations. Anytime you have that, that leadership from up top, um, you know, whether it's your quarterback or, or, or whether it's a starting linebacker or some offensive lineman, you know, I, I was very fortunate as a sophomore to be on a team that had phenomenal leadership. And, you know, Max Hall at quarterback and Dennis Pitt at tight end and, 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 and Matt Bauman at middle linebacker on the defense who was, you know, such a smart, brilliant guy. And so uh, I've seen the, the power of it, and it's, it's so important. Um, you, you've got to have senior leadership. And, you know, most of the teams that I was on that were successful, you know, we have that. And when, when you don't have that and you're relying on younger guys that are just trying to kind of find their way and, you know, they haven't been in certain situations and games that that require that, it makes it very difficult. So it's, it's just it's big. It makes
0: a huge difference. So Jordan, let me circle back on the whole idea of playing a team that you know you're better than heading into it. Is it difficult to focus? Is it difficult to get yourself as psyched up as it would if you were playing a top twenty team? How did you handle it, and uh, what advice would you give the Cougars as far as this uh, the schedule they're playing?
1: Yeah, it's you know it, it definitely presents challenges. Um, you know, and how I handled it is we always looked at it, going back to senior leadership. Uh, those games were important for me. They were important for guys on my team because we looked at it as an opportunity to get other guys on the field. And, and we knew if we were, if we went out and we took care of business one um, you can pad your stats pretty good um, Two, you know, it, it saves bodies getting ready for a next game. If you, if you do have a bigger game and three, which was the most important thing to me is getting second, third, fourth stringers out on the field who are working just as hard as everybody else. They're, they're there through the summer. They're there through the spring. They're at 6 a.m. morning weights. They're putting in all this effort, and to see them actually get out on the field and, and be able to play a whole quarter or, or sometimes a quarter and a half and you know be able to get a tackle or a sack or, or maybe it's a touchdown, that was always important to me as, as a leader. And, and, and when I was an upperclassman is seeing those guys be able to get out on the field. So, you know, it it goes back to senior leadership. You want, you want the whole, it takes the whole team to, to be successful because, you know, these guys that are giving you good looks and practice constantly, you know, it makes your team better. And so it's always good when they can get rewarded, um, you know, on, on Saturdays and be able to get into an actual game and, and make some plays. So um, that's, that was how I approached it. My advice, you know, and I kind of mentioned it last week is right now it's week to week with this, this COVID, you know, crap. And so it's, it's really another opportunity that they get to go play. And and a lot of people haven't had that opportunity. And, And so if you're in a position where you have a game and you can go out and display your talents and you can go play with your teammates and, and go out and play the game of football, then, Right now, it doesn't matter who you're playing. You should just be grateful for the opportunity because you, you never know when things could get shut down or it's it's a week-to-week deal. And so I think there's enough motivation right now to go out and, and be able to get hyped up for any team that you play. Jordan, thank you very much as always. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks.
2: There you go. That's our friend Jordan Pendleton, uh, of course, uh, former BYU linebacker, and uh, maybe uh, you or a, a young person in your life is interested in doing a little athletic training. Uh, check them out, Pendleton Performance. All right, Not Sports Report coming up next. Stay tuned, Big Show, 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. Check this out. And now, your Not Sports
0: Report on 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. I hate to admit this, but I, I, I like cocaine. <laughs>
2: Real quick, here's Gordon's favorite Eric Clapton song, and our uh, our friend Youchast the trailer tweets in. He says, "Have to agree with uh, disagree with Gordon, Jake, and Austin. Cocaine is, to my interpretation, not a song promoting drug use." but pointing out the lies you tell yourself about the drug despite trying to convince yourself that the drug doesn't lie.
0: Oh, well, thank right. you for clarifying. That's good news.
2: Thank you very much, You Shasta Trailer. Very useful as usual. All right, time for the Nod Sports Report brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory. Shop online dot lhmusedcars.com. Gordon, where are we going today?
0: We're going to, uh, well, we're not going anywhere. Well, <laughs> I hate to tell you guys but we're going to outer space.
2: Oh boy. Okay.
0: <sighs> now you, we have talked in the past about various studies and various theories about uh UFOs and aliens and all kinds of stuff out there. And well how would you describe the credibility of some of the people who have uh who have told stories about such things?
2: Impeccable. <laughs> I, reputable uh, I, I think those drunken farmers that uh, <laughs> randomly come to in the middle of the night to see uh, something in their field yeah their favorite song <laughs> a, is also cocaine yeah I believe I believe every word no, they say.
0: The, the song is about the unfortunate consequences of those who participate yeah, in
2: cocaine right. news Anyway your point being
0: okay so apparently there's a documentary that was uh, just released. Uh, on streaming called Phenomenon. And uh, apparently it's a documentary that examines unidentified aerial phenomenon. And it's got testimony from high-ranking government officials and NASA astronauts and uh, none other than uh, Senator Harry Reid, former Senator Harry Reid. SUU he says Zone? He's, what? I
2: said SUU Zone?
0: Did he go to SUU? Yeah, because I'm pretty sure
2: they they named a building after him, and then a couple of years ago, they said, we're not going to name that
0: building after you anymore. (laughs) He's the former Senate Majority Leader, and uh, he said that, uh, and i quote this, it makes the incredible credible. Apparently, the documentary, I've not seen it, but I saw an interview that he did. Uh, He says that uh, UFOs interfered with our nuclear arsenal, rendering it unusable. And his complaint is that the federal government has been sitting on this inf- sitting on this information for a long long time and he thinks that the government should study these, uh, these uh, unidentified aerial phen- phenomena. Phenomena. What's the what's the, what's phenomena. the for
2: phenomena, phenomena, Manomena. phenomena, phenomena,
0: phenomena, 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 so he's saying they're out there and everybody. Uh, well, anybody who has uh, access to this private information knows that they are out there and, and he wants know, our
2: tax dollars to study it further.
0: Well, here's the thing. I mean, it's one thing if some guy who's living in a hut out in the desert somewhere with, you know, a tinfoil hat on makes these claims. It's another when the former Senate majority leader is saying, yeah, uh, these folks out there, uh, they have the capability to render uh, our arsenal, our nuclear arsenal useless That that's worth a study.
2: Yeah, and and politicians have never lied before. I know. Now is when you're going to choose to. But what would be his motivation
0: to lie about something like that? Money, (laughs) spotlight,
2: (laughs) senility, staying relevant. Right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So maybe he's full of it. But you know, apparently there are other officials that are interviewed in this, and uh, they're they're saying no, no, beware.
2: Let's jump out to the zone phone.
0: You're just going to leave that hanging like that? What what do you want me to add? i got nothing for you. Does that frighten you at all? Does it stir your imagination? Does it stir your interest, your curiosity?
2: Not really. None of those words.
0: (laughs) I'm telling you, one of these days, something's going to happen, and you guys are going to go, uh-huh, I should have listened. He was right all along. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's it? <laughs> just okay? In the meantime, la-di-da-di-da? you are just going to ignore it? Let I,
2: me know when they've landed. I really hope that day comes for you, Gordon.
0: <laughs> uh, well, I'm not exactly looking forward to it, but I'm telling you, watch out.
2: Let's get out of the zone phone. Joining us now, Executive Vice President of Marketing for Zions Bank. He's Rob Brough with us here on the big show. Rob's,
0: Rob's worried about it, right? Oh, <laughs> Rob I, I'm
4: Robert? just trying to figure out who's got it out for me. You know, every time I jump on, we're talking about aliens, and we're talking about Ezekiel, <laughs> and we're talking about cocaine. I don't know where we're going.
2: <laughs> I'm trying to think of a decent
0: transition. <laughs> Didn't we talk about ducks? We're we're talking about, about ducks? we talk about ducks? The yeah, where's time, this man? going?
4: Rob,
2: Rob, you need to come on the show more often, man. Things get zany when
4: you're around. Hey, it's a blast.
2: <laughs> All right, let's talk a little bit about, of course, Zion's Bank and what you guys are doing and uh, your partnership with the Utah Jazz. Uh, you've uh, had a relationship with the franchise for, for a long, long time, and you're continuing that with some of the messages uh, that uh, they've been putting out.
4: Yeah, we are, and I appreciate that, Jake. You know, we, we have had a long relationship with the Jazz, and, and you know, there's, there's an important you know, social dialogue going on right now. And and we're we're proud to stand with the Jazz in in their efforts to promote social justice, to to further that dialogue within our community. Uh, Something we think is really important. And and we think that by, you know, lending our two voices together, there's an opportunity for us to, to really engage in a meaningful conversation within our community.
2: Making the community a better place has been a priority for you guys for a long, long time.
4: Absolutely. It's one of the things we talk about every day within the bank is that our, our role within the community is to create value, and uh, we do it in a lot of different ways, and this is just one of those.
2: All right, Rob. Well, buckle up. Who knows what we're going to throw at you next time uh, we have you on.
4: Hey, the last hour always gets the, the craziest, so oh, I, really? I'm i ready. You get
2: the best stuff in the 5 o'clock Five <laughs> o'clock, hour, Rob. Thanks. All right, guys. All right, there you go. That's our friend Rob Rob. <laughs> you're on 975 and 1280 the zone you know hearing rob listen all the to- list all the topics off that uh, that we've uh, been talking about <laughs> right before we brought him on uh, Who produces little, this, this thing? this show has gotten off the rails like six different every, times
0: every segment
2: every time we go to rob hey uh we're let's hold the cocaine combo for a second and uh let's let's talk to rob from zion cut Bay. the
0: lawnmower running over duck sounder for a second let's get up to the zions bank hey, hey i really like what you shasta trailer sent us uh, that now that's some good information i'll repeat it Cocaine is, to my interpretation, not a song promoting drug use, but pointing out the lies you tell yourself about the drug despite trying to convince yourself that the drug doesn't lie. That is well-written, and that is on point. Word
2: did, salad use. Did you have a similar experience back in the 70s? <laughs> <laughs> no.
0: No, I've never done drugs.
2: Since the
0: 70s? Never. Never have, but I've had friends who have.
2: Oh, you have.
0: Oh, <laughs> I've had co-workers have who have. <laughs> oh, have you? All right, we'll
2: get to uh, Mark Harlan join DJ and PK this morning. We will get to that conversation coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 of The Zone.